SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents. So welcome to Bullseye Nuclear. We are a podcast with Empowered to Change International, where we empower the broken to heal, the voiceless to speak, and communities to come together. And what we're doing during this series of our podcast, we are featuring addiction in families. And tonight we have such a special um featuring guests for you and it is not one not two but three kramer sisters mm -hmm. and i just know that everyone watching or listening out there you're going to be blessed you're going to have hope because if you have family that are in addiction or maybe multiple family members in addiction and you think there's just no way out and that it's just carrying on to generation to generation. I want you to especially tune in today because you will have hope and you will have um, some excitement that there are people out there that have suffered greatly and they are free and walking their healing journey. Mm -hmm. So I wanna turn it over to the Kramer sisters. Michelle Kramer mm -hmm. is right here in the center. And really, Michelle, um, thank you for joining us. Um, Victoria and Nicole. Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Sorry, Virginia. I'm sorry. I told I told them at the beginning that I might mess up names. It's, it's just okay. it's just what's happening. So, but seriously, um, thank you guys for being here. I'm completely honored to be a part of this and to have a front row seat, really, yeah. into your story. So, Michelle, if you could just kind of start wherever you want to start. This is this is your all of you. This is your moments to um, put a voice to some of the experiences that you guys have had yeah. and just really there's there's no holds barred right there's nothing that you can't say and um, just take it away Michelle Kramer all right my name is Michelle these are my two wonderful sisters um, this is honestly the first time since um, we were not even teens younger than teens that we have all three been clean and sober Wow. Um, I personally started drinking at the age of 11. I think we all did, um, smoking weed. Um, our dad was a single dad. Um, he raised all three of us, but our father was an alcoholic for many, many years. There was a time in our life where we knew all the bar's phone numbers, like by heart. Um, wow. And then he started smoking crack cocaine at one point. Um, it was toxic. Uh, there was violence. Um, it was lonely and scared. So we went to the streets um, and found what we thought were friends and family there. You know, um, I started stripping at 15. Okay. Um, got a fake ID in her name. You didn't have to have paperwork back then. Um, so I got into that nightlife really fast and at a young age. Um, Nicole was the first one to go to prison. I can't say to jail cause I went to jail at 17, but, um, and her first go around, she got 10 years, eight, sorry, eight, eight years. Sorry. Um, and it was crazy. It was sad. I was very sad for her. Um, it was, we were all we had, so. So if I can just kind of step in mm -hmm. every now and then, um, and Nicole, please jump in when, yeah. when, when she's mentioning that, if you have some things that you want to highlight of what you went through, because really um, addiction affects everybody in the family, yeah. Yeah. but it's not the exact same, right? Correct no. me if I'm right, wrong. Right. Um, while your dad was elevating his alcoholism into substance abuse, 
okay, and the violence that you guys were enduring, um, was it one of you? Was it all of you? Did you guys decide that you were going to leave together? It was just one at a time. Um, I left first. <laughs> you left yeah. first. Now, who's the oldest Me. here? Mm -mm. You're the oldest. Yeah. And you said, I'm out. Yeah, I moved in with my kid's father. Okay. I'm, well, we didn't have kids yet, but um, we're married now, uh, 28 years later. But, oh, that's um, awesome. but yeah, I left first. And then at some point, you know, they kind of lived with me for a little while. Both of them ended up moving out probably about, what, 15, 16, both of them. Okay. And they lived with me and my my boyfriend at the time um, for a while. Then, you know, of course, got a boyfriend moved out, got a boyfriend moved out, you know. All the while in addiction in various yeah, forms. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then um, something, me and my boyfriend, we broke up. Well, he was my kid's father. We broke up, and I kind of lost it when they took my children. And I went on a drug binge for a very long time. Um, 1999, I was uh, drunk and high on Xanax, and I got hit by a car. I was mm. walking. The car was going 55 miles an hour. Um, they said the only reason that I lived was because I was drunk. Had I not, because your body's so limber. Right. So, um, but I ended up in the hospital for about a month. Um, and that's where I became addicted to opiates. Okay. And that was the... And this was before prison, right? Before, right before prison. Yeah, two years before prison. Okay. And um, I got strung out, IV user, um, after I left the hospital because um, all my friends were a lot older than I were, so they were already doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and then in 2001, I met this girl. Well, I had known her for quite some years before, but her and I actually hooked up as girlfriends. And uh, I didn't know the kind of lifestyle she was living as far as what she was doing, and I ended up getting um, eight years in prison for two counts of home invasion, robbery, and a grand theft auto. With this other? With the other female, yeah. Okay. And um, would you say, Nicole, that that was um, it stemmed from your drug all, use? It was, it all was from my drug, drug related. Use, yes. Okay. It was all from my drug use. Um, I mean, there was times I was getting high with my dad and everything. Like it was, it was pretty insane for yeah. quite some years. And then, you know, I got, I went to prison. I was gone like six years and ten months off of eight, and uh, I got out. I was living with my uncle in Valrico for I don't know about five months. I couldn't find no work with the record like that, you know. So I figured, well, I'm gonna come back over here, and I did. And that was when the pill epidemic was still going on, and I had been locked up for the beginning of that. And um, went immediately, well, not immediately, I'd say probably about four or five months after being back over here, went to the doctors, knew I could get a strip, no problem. And boom, there was that seven years down the drain, basically. Of okay. Being, I mean, I got high in prison, too. So, you know, you can do the same mm -hmm. thing in there. You know, it's just as bad in there. Which will be a different series if yeah. you want to come back. Yeah, right, right. Because yeah. we want to talk yeah. about yeah. Um, life in prison yeah. and, and all yeah. of that. But oh. so you um, did seven years? Mm -hmm. The first time. The first time. Right. Okay. And when you got out. So were you are you were still in addiction when you got out or no, or no? I had actually stopped using in 04 and I got out in 08. I actually even quit smoking. I got I'll okay. tell you, I got really close with God my last 2 3 years. Um I got out in August of 08 and in May of 08 I had prayed about quitting smoking cigarettes. I put everything down, gave all my cigarettes, lighters, everything away. I quit smoking for 8 years and wow. for some reason, well, I know why. In 16 <laughs> I picked back up, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I got really close to the higher power when I was in there and I mean, life happens and I got out, both of my sisters were still in addiction really bad and I love them to death and we all lived together at the time when I moved back over here and you know, when you start hanging out with it, I was going to say, did yeah. any, did they, any of them pull you back in? I would say kind of not. I mean, listen, we're not, talking not, about not being, I mean, being just being around just it, being yeah. around just it just being around it, you yeah. back in yeah that's okay it. yeah they didn't like twist my arm or anything you know <laughs> what i mean i'm a whole drug addict on my own right you know so but being around it yes definitely okay it was, but i had really nowhere else to go my mm -hmm. dad i don't even know where dad was living at the time i don't think he had a place that i could stay at mm -hmm. um so i was living with them with a older, a older guy who was like our grandpa you know and helping take care of him so you know, I mean, 
I was there and started going to the doctors. They were giving you plenty of pills back then. So, right. you know, I mean, and it was just insanity. And it didn't stop until I think I went to prison the second time again. <laughs> I went back to prison in 2000 and I got arrested in 12, got out in 13, I think. Yep. Yes. And um, I did 17 months that time, um, all because of my addiction. Okay. Uh, every single every time. time. Every yeah. single time. I literally just did a year county. But, e okay, so after the second time, got yes. out. Started doing the same things again. Okay. Um, same people. Um, went back a third time um, on a possession charge. And I did, I think, 11 months. In that time, I got arrested in, I would say, February. No, November. In February of that year, I got shipped to prison. April of that year, my dad. Uh, so it was in 15, 14 and 15. In 15, I got a call from my dad. I, could, I was trying to get a hold of him, trying to get a hold of him, trying to get a hold of him. And in prison, it's different to be able to contact somebody. So when mm -hmm. I got a call from the chaplain, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. So they called me down there, and they told me that it was him. It was him and his sister. And they were like, listen, they found out that he had stage 4 lung cancer. Um. And at the time, I was going. They had this. Uh, I can't I can't remember the program, but they had a um, like a faith based program on the re reception center. Okay. And I was going to this class every day that they would have it for us. And so again, I was building my relationship with God again. And um, so they called me down there, and he's like, "Baby girl, I'm gonna be here when you get out." I was sentenced to um, Teen Challenge. Okay. I was supposed to go there when I got out, but he was supposed to pay for six months of this program and everything else. So I get the phone call on his birthday, April 15, 2015. And then they transferred me from there to Lowell Correctional. And six weeks to the day, they called me down to the captain's office at 630 in the morning. He had passed away. Yeah. And he's like, baby girl, I'm going to be here when you get out. Don't worry about it. You know so I mean? that like, must have hit you. It hit hard. Right. It hit hard. Um. But it's it's really crazy because the day before they called me, I had literally wrote on my shower sides, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through, through, through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next morning they called me down there and told me this, you know. Um, I actually, um, I don't know if you remember Chelsea, that she used to work for you guys a long, this is back mm -hmm. in like 16 probably. Okay. But anyways, um, she was a bunkmate across from me before I came here to this program at okay. 16. And uh, I used to minister to her, the Bible. She used to come to me. I had a study Bible. So we, if I didn't know, I'm going to look. We're going to look. Right, you know? right. So then um, I got out, and I moved in with my god dad at my dad's place. And I stayed there for a little while. I stayed clean for a little while. A year to the next, I went, and I seen my sister. She was bad. She was doing so bad. So when and you were not right. So right. you were yeah. you were clean at this point. Um, I think I may have been smoking a little weed or something, but I wasn't back to where I was. The right. hard stuff where I used to be. So I want to jump in a little bit. So you look amazing. Thanks. I just want to say, and you have been clean for how long now? Um, next month will be a year. That's yeah, really good. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. So if I could jump around just a little mm -hmm. bit, when, when your dad passed, mm -hmm. where were you, Michelle? Mm. Well, like, um, like was... somehow step in here. And I also okay. want to go back to when you were 15. Like you didn't just aspire to go work at a strip club. No. And I, so I do want <laughs> to go back into here, okay. you know, how, how is that? possible <laughs> yeah when that's you know illegal right but so you you take it where you want to go and well, then we'll jump the, the around stripping a little thing, bit um real quick um my oldest son's father was five years older than me okay um everybody i hung out with was five years older than me everybody okay. there was okay. nobody my age okay. except for the females honestly okay. all the girls were younger the men were older um and, um, like I said, back then you could go into the DMV and say, you're such and such. Mm -hmm. We have the same eyes, same hair color, right. same height, right. same weight. And all there those you are. things lined up. And now I'm 18 at 15. Okay. So, um, honestly, we used to go hang out at the strip clubs. And then I was like, hmm, easy this money. looks really easy. Yeah. And it was, it was really easy. 
I will say the strip clubs were a lot different than they are now. Okay. Like. How so? Nine, nine day. Like back then you could literally just sit and have a conversation with somebody and you made money. When I went back a couple years back, it was so many drugs in the strip club. Girls were doing a lot of nasty things for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um it was a lot scarier. There was girls that had pimps in there. Like it, it was just a totally different world. And I, mm -hmm. I danced two nights and I was like, I, I can't, this is way yeah. different than what I was used to. Yeah. Cause even I was young. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't do anything illegal at that point yet when I was younger stripping. Mm -hmm. um, other than other the actual just, being just there. Just being under right, age. Right. I did go to jail okay. at 17. Okay. And <laughs> At Diamond, well, at the club, and the owner bonded everybody out but me. I was like, um, excuse me, why am I not out? And they're like, well, Miss Nicole Kramer, you have a warrant. I was like, okay, well, I'm 17. Can you call my dad? <laughs> right. So my dad had to come pick me up. You know, I had okay. my own place and everything then. So it really, my dad knew what I was doing. So, so this is a life, ladies, that you guys grew up in this atmosphere mm -hmm. there was that was the norm it to was you totally guys normal. and part of what um there's going to be we're going to break this down into so many parts <laughs> right. okay because you guys might hear part one but we're going to break it down into several because there's so much here so much. because we also aim here at empowered to change we want to change the what the stereotype is yes. the face the face of somebody, quote, I don't even like the term, but an addict. Right. The, the stereotypical face of an addict or a felon, if you will, and also give some understanding and give some knowledge to people that, um, you know, if you've lived a life in a home of some semblance of order, Right. right. I mean, I grew up in a dysfunctional home, but my dysfunction is completely different. Right. Okay. And I could probably fake it a little better because of my dysfunction. Right. But what you guys endured was completely normal. And this is what the outcome naturally was. Is that Literally, fair? Like in yeah. all of our friends' households, yeah. it was the same thing. So it wasn't like this friend over here and this friend over here had right. like both parents and one of them wasn't it was all of our friends there was one parent and they were drugs and drinking and like our parents all hung out and like so it just was what it was what what happened to your mom um she's so alive. she's alive um just recently um she's still out there no no no, no she was oh. never out there. oh she was never out there um she just dropped us my dad was abusive like i said okay um, and she left and she left us um when you were young five three and two um okay. so that happened um i just recently forgave her um that was a whole spiritual thing i was on a 21 day fast and i was i want answers i want answers but god told me no you forgive her and help her heal so okay. that was a whole nother experience wow. i was like I what <laughs> like yeah it was um I do want to clarify, my dad was on drugs and he was drinking and he was at a time abusive, but my dad did turn his life around and he did go to recovery. I even went to an NA dance with him once. That's my awesome. dad did get clean and he was like my best friend yeah. before. He was And he, he was, was an there. Amazing, he, he was, was there. always there. He had the same job for 25 years. He was a functioning addict, you know. Mm -hmm. um, he was always, every court hearing. He, he was always there. All three, all three prison sentences, all okay. three of us, many times, three times, two times, one time. He was always there. Okay. In his addiction, he was always there. And uh, so when you, let's go from after the strip club. Okay. Kind of walk us through some of the, the decline that that addiction took you down, the paths that it took you okay. down. When I first... I was drinking acid and ecstasy were oh, the thing. Okay. Um, cocaine came in and then I stopped. I got pregnant 
wasn't doing anything. I didn't even know what addiction was, honestly, when I was 19. I didn't okay. know it was a, even a thing. I just thought, I drink, I do coke. <laughs> That's What's what the big is. deal? Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know the word addiction. Mm -hmm. um, so I had my first kid at 20. Um, me and his father were together for eight years. Um, it was abusive, um, mentally and physically, towards one another. And so I just left. My, I couldn't do it. Um, unfortunately, I did the same thing my mom did to us, even though I always said, I don't want to be like her. I will never do that. It's literally, it's a, it's that generational it's curse. Generational it literally happened. I left my son, unfortunately. Um, heavy drinking. Met my second son's father. Um, had another kid. And I was using and um he got taken and uh not taken taken but dcf came in and um grandma let us all move in with her and we were doing a case plan three months after i had him i went in for gallbladder surgery and that was the first time i found out what opiates were and they were they literally just pumped them in me I was hallucinating, didn't even realize what was happening. So both of you got addicted to opiates from an accidental medical issue yeah. well, and the hospital. surgeries back to back within a couple months. Okay. And literally it was just, when I had my endometriosis surgery after my gallbladder, they punctured my appendix but sent me home and I kept telling them something's wrong with me, something's wrong with me. And they just kept giving, giving me more pain pills. I remember that. And I was, it was bad. And give me like the year of that. What that year was, was that? That was in 2005 or six, okay. somewhere around there. Okay. And so they just kept giving me more pain pills, stronger ones, more stronger, mm -hmm. stronger ones. And then, um, then the pill mills came around and then till, when I like didn't have any and I got dope sick for the first time, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I felt like I had the flu times 10 and I didn't even know what dope sick was, mm -hmm. but it was so easy for me to walk into a doctor's office with somebody else's pill bottle with the label, her name ripped off and get prescribed 310 Roxy's and Oxycontin and Xanax and like, just like that. Right. It was insane. Would you say that it's harder now? Oh yeah. To get that because I, I mean, thankfully I the state, well, I, the state of Florida God. cracked down on thank it. God. Okay. Like, because it was so bad. Yes. You could, if you got it, you were doctor shopping, you could go to Walgreens and go to another doctor and go to CVS and they did not communicate. So is now that communicate right? Other. Right. Thank God yes. for technology yes. and that form. Mm -hmm. Is that? Uh, why you went to prison the first time? First time I went to prison for selling pills. Okay. Um, and then the second time was for introduction to contraband to a state facility. Okay. My dad passed away. So I was pregnant with my then fourth child um, when my dad was, you know, passing away on us. I was on the methadone clinic. Um, I looked so terrible. I see pictures of me now and I'm like, who was that? Um, so my dad died on May 14th, 2015. And on the 20th, I gave birth to my daughter, Amelia. And um, I had her a month early due to stress. And I caught a petty theft charge and I was sentenced to six months and I was on methadone. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be a bad detox. So I took 60 Xanax in with me and got caught with three left. Oh, so okay. then I got a 13 month sentence when I was really going to do four. Yeah. But that was when I got my relationship with God. I did prison the first time and I was out of control doing the drugs, run around compound, watching my friends back so they can sleep with officers. Like it was insane. Right. I can't wait to talk about <laughs> whole the prison another, issue. A whole other issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this different. This actually, what happened was I was in RNO, which is 
when you receiving first get orientation. that's what it is receiving mm -hmm. an orientation and a girl asked me to go to church with her because like you get stuck in a dorm all day and night with nothing at first because you don't have a job or nothing and I was like I all right I guess I'll go so we went and I, and you know I was sitting there like this and I was judging everybody they're raising their hands and seeing and I'm like this is so fake right literally judging everyone yeah and so we went back to the dorm the next day count time after count I go over to her and she looked really bothered so I was like are you okay? And she's like, no, I have really bad night terrors from, you know, my time on the street. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. She, I was like, can I do anything to help? She's like, go to church with me tonight. I was like, huh. <laughs> okay. Only because I offered, you know. When we went to church that night, we were sitting. She was on the alley seat. I was right next to her. Again, I'm sitting there judging everybody. In prison. In prison. And the volunteers for the church, the lady came down the aisle. Mm -hmm. grabbed my friend, pulled her out, and said, the Holy Spirit told me to come over here and pray for you for your night terrors. And I was like, hey, excuse me, what? <laughs> so she didn't know. Nobody no, told how would she? Her. She right. wasn't somebody in prison. Yes. This was a church coming into the prison to do church. Okay. So I was like, she has no idea. Like, this is insane. Now I need to know more. Right. So then I was like, I'm all in. I started going to all the churches because I was now like, I need to know what more. is going on with this? And it was the first time I ever read the Bible. And I went through a lot. I went to inner healing classes. I went to church. And this this is, I did an inner healing class. And that's when I forgave my mom the first time. That's why when last year, I was like, I want answers. I want answers. The Holy Spirit's like, no, you already forgave her. Now you help her heal. Okay. So that's, that's how that happened. But yeah, um, when my dad died, though, we were both there. It was rough. It was sad. Um, we've also lost a sister to addiction mm -hmm. in 2012. Okay. And um, when my dad took his last breath, the last thing he said was, okay, Pauline, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. And that's my sister that passed away. And he closed his eyes and he went. And so, like, that was, that was nice. So I knew she was there to take him up there. So I was, that was really good for me. But then I went to prison. And then she was left out here by herself. So both of you were in prison <laughs> at the same time, yeah. but not the same like we prison? Like, we would all literally, we were in prison one time. Four days after she <laughs> literally, we oh. would go and pass each other. It was okay, so when, when, your dad, when your dad died, you guys then, you both were in prison and you were out. So let's hear from you. I've kind of always been by myself because <laughs> me and her yeah. always hung out together. And when she went to prison, I was like, I lost my mom and my best friend because she was more my mom than her mom was. So are you the youngest? Yeah. Okay. Well, well we're from the same our age right now. I got it. Got it. But younger. <laughs> yeah. okay. Right. Okay. But um, no, when I went to prison, in two, I don't remember. It's been so 2007, long. 2007. Yep. See, yeah. so I went up there. And so were you there. a teen? Were you a teenager when you started doing oh, yeah, the same thing? I started smoking weed at eleven. And okay, and I just gotta say this, y'all. People say, "Oh, weed is not a, a gateway." Do you guys agree or disagree? I'm just, I mean, I'm I just asking. Then, then, yeah, but now, now I feel like weed is like I don't think it's bad. Okay, I don't. Can I feel like it's. I feel I like it helps it. people. I think more. alcoholic is way worse. I think alcohol right. You think alcohol is, is way worse. Okay. 100%. Just a little side survey yeah. there. Yeah. All right. So, but all of you started smoking weed at 11 and yeah. drinking. Yeah. Our dad, dad did it. We got it from our dad. I took it from my time. dad all the yeah. time. Okay. Yep. So, okay. I didn't have so. to go very far for it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right. He didn't like that so much, but. So how old were you when you went to prison first? when you it was after the i well i was had my son at 19. okay it was, yeah. yeah four years later it was after i had the state took my son so i was 23. okay yeah uh, and i got so I, I got went to prison for selling my prescription medication because actually i started going to the doctors it was a family doctor my, my son was going to my oldest son was going to and i started going to it and I tell you, this doctor, because I had Medicaid, 
because I had mm-hmm. a kid. Mm-hmm. I left this doctor's office with 12 different prescription medications. <laughs> Literally. Literally. I had a purse that was like this that was filled with nothing. You don't have to say his office. name or her name, but uh, did uh, they end up a, going to prison? No, he actually, I drove by there and he, they, they're not even there of- anymore. At least two yeah. doctors that we went yeah. to. Or okay. Definitely yeah. did go. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't well, go there. We won't go there. It, but it's the part kind of, of your story. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> but um, no. Um, then my son. I lost my son when he was four, and I lost mm-hmm. myself then, and because uh, he went to the state, and I went to jail, and my dad. Our dad was trying to get him. But they were, because of his prior history with us in Child Protective Services, right, right. they were fighting me with it because I I was in jail. But literally, I got out, I want to say October 19th that year. And three days later, we were in court and he had custody. Mm-hmm. But my ne- he had him, but he didn't have him. I had him. Yeah. He shouldn't have never did that because I wasn't, should have had him. But my dad was alcoholic and doing what he wanted to do at the same time. Yeah. Well, my dad had a tendency to get drunk and call me and threaten me because I had my kid. I got tired of getting threatened. And he told me he had something for me. I took that as he was going to give my kid back to the state. So I called the state and told him the truth and told him everything. Your dad had something for you? Yeah, that's yeah, what he told me. he was me. drunk, he would just threaten, threaten. like, okay. oh, I got something. Because okay. I had my kid. If I didn't bring my kid back to him, he was going to call the police on me. Okay. That's how she took it. Right, right. right. Well, no, that's what he told me. Yeah. Oh, that's what he'd go. tell me. That, that's what, how he would threaten me. So I just got tired of getting threatened by it. So I just, and then the state took my kid back, and I lost myself for a decade. And You lost yourself for 10 years. Okay. And then... When Nicole, the last time Nicole got out of prison, I was staying over in Clearwater, right, in Bel Air. And she came to see me, and she would, I, I didn't want her to stay, because I, I knew I wasn't, I, I don't want to bring her, I didn't want to bring her down. Mm-hmm. But she's my sister, and she wouldn't leave. I felt, you know, and I, it was a lot of years later. <laughs> so how long have you been clean? Uh, May 2nd, 2017. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. It took me going to jail. And I went to jail for got a count. I got another year in got a year in county. Okay. This is only been to prison once. I've been in jail several times after that. Okay. Um I did a year in county and I don't know, I was just I, I had a warrant. Before I got before I got arrested for that charge, I had a warrant. And I had just spent six weeks in the hospital, I almost killed myself. I had um uh pneumonia, a, pneumonia and mm-hmm. a staph infection in 50 like percent of my lungs not in just one yeah. spot it was little spots in my entire lung in 50 percent of my right lung that they had to put not one but two chest tubes in me we to drain the fluid because it was so it. thick it wouldn't mm-hmm. come out and if the second chest tube wouldn't have worked they were gonna have to crack my chest is what the doctor told me thank god it worked but um literally after you think something like that makes somebody stop yeah, no, literally had got picked up that day from the hospital, six weeks after being in there, got dropped back off over in Bel Air. Okay. I spent two weeks ripping and running. I was in the car with somebody, and she cut off an undercover cop. <laughs> now, I was in an area, It was there was four of us in the car, it was one cop. I looked at all the I'm like, man, I know where I'm at, I can go. So I was just sat there, and I was I'm tired of running. Hmm. I was just tired. Wait, I was did finally- you call me and ask me for my social, though? Yeah. <laughs> So because I did, I did, I did. I gave him a fake name. I did. That's right. You're right. right. I did. I called her and asked her for her social and gave him her information. But what got me caught was my wallet was in the car door with her ID. And the girl, because I didn't think my friend was going to give him permission to search her car. That's why. So I left. I took my purse out the car and left my wallet in the door. And then yeah. Okay. So you have been clean for six years. Yes, ma'am. What what did it for you? Like I hear, I hear. Honestly, Michelle, that I hear year Nicole. after I got out of jail, did you have, have you ever it? heard of? Have you ever heard of the next? To- well, I I have heard of it. I don't okay, know well, if we're allowed to be saying. I'm sorry, this, my but bad. no, no, well, no. I worked you- there. No, I worked there. For okay, a year. okay. And to be honest, that hotel is what kept me sober. 
because it was so horrible. I'm not trying to. Because of seeing all the drug addiction. Yeah. And all the. the We'll blur out the name because I don't want them to sue us. But hey, it's on US 19 and you guys, everybody knows what it is. Yeah. And I honestly watching all the girls ripping and running and seeing all the drug dealers. Oh, they used to hate me because I would sit out front and read my NA book and tell them they need this book in their life. Good for you. I saved three different people's lives that were overdosing there. Okay. You know, it just so you having just decided to go through you that and done. want to see all that reminded me of what I didn't miss having to go through and do. Okay. And having it was to right worry in your face. Being, it was right there. You there. worked yeah, there. You she lived told there. Me, she used to live down the street and worked at um, the restaurant down the road, and she used to tell me she couldn't understand how I could. I don't know how you're doing it. It, wow! Uh, I used it, to go there to get drugs. Well, she was sober and looking at all of this chaos and saying, "I don't want any part of right. that." Because wow, was, that's all that is. It's just crazy. It's, just, it's not a life to want to live anymore. Wow! No. Yeah. 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 You're not living there. a life. You're just so going. If I could, um, what what I hear with you guys, um, Michelle, I would like you to tell me more about um, and tell tell the listeners more about really what sustained you or who sustained you. What what was a pivotal moment for you where you said enough's enough enough is enough. I'm not going back. <laughs> well, so I have five kids and um, my oldest is going to be 22 and I have an 18 year old. Um, and I didn't raise them. And like I said, I always didn't want to be like my mom. I don't want to be like that. I, I don't want to do that to my kids. Yeah. Well, I had two daughters that I gave up for adoption at birth and I have an amazing relationship with their mom. Still, so they're 10 and eight. Um, they know me as tummy mommy. I got pregnant with my last son and I said to his dad, we're either going to do this. Or we're going to give him up because I cannot ruin another kid. Not that my kids are ruined, but no, I didn't just want to be an absent, absent mom again. Mm-hmm. So we decided we were going to do this. So I was on methadone because I was using, so I went to methadone. And um, I was doing everything right for okay. the first time. Finally, I'm doing it right. Um, had him during Hurricane Irma. And DCF came in there. And the way these treated, people treated me was horrible. Was because horrible. of your history? Because of my okay. past. And we're going to take your kid. We're going to do this. I had a place. I was clean. Other than methadone, but I was going to the clinic, so it's clean mm-hmm. to them. You know, it was Legal. It was legal, legal. right? Mm-hmm. And they were just, it was bad. So I had to go through this whole case plan. Whatever. I did it. I completed it all. Um, his dad at the time was actually an ETC. Okay. You know? Um which is a safe housing program. Yes. yes. Oh. Um, That's okay. And uh, he, you know, we we were doing it. We were finally doing it. And uh, we got a place. We were, you know, just. And then we just started getting high again. Hmm. It just, we never really tried to heal from anything, from any of our traumas. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that was a thing, you know. <laughs> And um, I, I was on drugs for so long, and I had never overdosed. Hmm. And then fentanyl came around. Hmm. And in 2019, I overdosed six times. And I was just telling some moms at my son's volleyball, like, the thing is, is, like, everybody thinks, well, how did you overdose six times and go right back to it? The thing is, is I didn't see me. I didn't see what y'all were seeing. Hmm. I didn't feel it. I, it, to me, I was nodded out again. That's all it was to me. So you weren't did, attempting to yeah, overdose. I wasn't you were not going. Oh, I think I'll no. take my life right, right now. Literally, would I would overdose on a rinse, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. That's how deadly this but stuff it's fentanyl, is. Fentanyl, right? It's fentanyl. Like I didn't know I was doing fentanyl. I thought I was doing heroin. Because mm-hmm. there's no honor said, among drug buy, dealers. Right. Yeah. Never went and that. said I wanted it. It's just what I got, you know. Mm-hmm. So the last time I overdosed, I was at home, my son's dad's mom's house. Um, 
But I, I guess I seized out. I'm not sure because I came to before the cops got there. She was pounding the door. When I opened the door, the cops were there and my syringe was there. My spoon was there. And I went to jail for possession and paraphernalia and child neglect at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. I bonded out. Two days later, the child neglect got dropped. And I went into drug court for the first time after being arrested 39 times. Wow. You were arrested 39 times. So for our it's... listeners outside of Florida, drug court, um, I believe the Tampa Bay area is so blessed yes. to have drug court. It is a therapeutic court room yes. uh, where if you have um, a drug addiction, you have an opportunity to get pulled into drug court yes. um, and get your felony charges either dropped or adjudicated withheld, which means you're not a convicted felon right. if you have not been convicted <laughs> felon right. before. Um, and then there's a lot of treatment. There's yeah. therapy, there's housing, there's residential. So that's what you entered into you didn't you didn't have any control over that i believe right. it's they the state attorney just there. does that right. okay i mean you can opt out but it, i was like okay this I'm it's, a, get, it's a chance I'm gonna get help for the first time right well they gave me outpatient at first and outpatient for our listeners is not a locked down facility right. you can live outside either in, in some type of housing or your own home go to outpatient therapy there's a lot of freedom very little structure if you're not in a set program correct okay so at first i was doing everything right the thing was was my son was living at his aunt's in pasco and i had no friends that didn't have a record that's all I've ever known, you know, so I uh, to get somebody to um, what is it called? Uh, supervise. supervise my visits with him was next to impossible. So like, because you didn't have anybody that would nobody, pass the uh, checklist. No nope. we had to Ohio. Yeah, literally nobody. So okay. it was like, I kept making phone calls, like my caseworker is supposed to do it. Like, six months went by and I'm literally like, I just want to see my kid. Um, and it wasn't happening. Well, when I bonded out of jail on those charges before I got put on outpatient, it was the first time in my life. I, my dad was gone, so I couldn't go to his house mm -hmm. and my best friend passed away from diabetes. So I literally had nowhere to go first time in my life. First time. So it was scary, Yeah. but I found a place to go. I got a job right away. I can always get a job. I'm mm -hmm. great at getting a job. I can't keep them. <laughs> until I, now. Until now. Right. I've been at my job for over three years. Yeah. But um, just I couldn't take it anymore. Nothing was going my way. And, you know, the messed up minds of us addicts are I literally was like, I'm going to go get high and mm -hmm. fail this drug test so I can go to jail. Who does that? Like, instead of going to the judge, Your Honor, I need structure. I need help. So you kind of looked at jail as a way out. Yeah. Like, like a, a saving grace. Off the street. So, okay. Yes. I just have to pause here on, on there's so many things I'm mm -hmm. hearing. First of all, um, in the area of DCF and the area of this stereotype of moms that lose their kids and you didn't see them for six months, mm -hmm. right? You didn't see your child for six months. You wanted to. Tried and tried. Tried and tried. And and I'm hoping that there's some DCF listeners out there. I'm hoping that there's judges out there listening and attorneys and state attorneys. Why? Because what you look and see on paper That's what it says, is. oh, she hasn't seen her kid. But in the real correct something it's yeah dcf it's cps because those are two different things cps yeah the, the child protective services, services. Yeah. okay services so and yeah. and and there's a dcf case correct right yeah. so it is it's all like right got it so and thank you yeah. um because so many times you are judged by what is on this sheet when the reality is you are trying to work you want to see your child you have to do all of these checks in order to get there and if you mess up any one of these checks then you don't get there but on paper it's non-compliant and you don't care about your kid yep. Yep. 
100%. And, and I, I'm hoping that we can blast some of these stereotypes. I The one thing I did do, though, was I kept a notebook. Of, I would call every day. Yep, I remember. Eckerd. Okay. I would call every day, and I would write the name. I left a message. It would always say such and such. If you don't get old of me, call my supervisor in two days. Down the chain. Mm -hmm. Down the chain. Up the chain. Up the chain. Till I got up the chain. Okay. Literally, I got as high as you could go. Good point. And so you're telling anybody with um, open case plans, yes, call every day. Chain, keep Call notes, every day. Keep Call notes. every day. Write okay. what you said. Write the name that was on the answer machine, the time and the date. I did it all, and I took it into the judge. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so I had a leg to stand on. The judge was like, what is going on here? Okay. So I didn't get a non-compliant because it wasn't me. It was them. Okay. So very good. Very yes. good point. And I want to switch over to the other point mm -hmm. is that would, is it a fair statement that jail does and can save your life? Absolutely. Because there's, Absolutely. I, what I am seeing in, I don't know, in this era post COVID, I always have to say post COVID because pre COVID there was one way of living Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying post COVID and I, if I get knocked for that, that's all right. I'm, I'm sharing what, what I've been seeing <laughs> Exactly. and the post COVID era is, um, you know, let's, nobody wants to, um, have anybody with addiction incarcerated. That's not the end goal. Mass incarceration is absolutely not the end goal. Right. And that is not, um, on the agenda of definitely drug court that is not on right, their agenda and most most courtrooms i think today are going all right what what's the insanity here of mass incarceration with addiction however i still maintain that the judicial arm is vitally important because if you do not have the additional the judicial arm along with the addiction is so strong is it not yeah that if you don't have this uh, judicial arm saying okay here are your choices and i i've talked to so many people in the past few months that said i didn't want to go to jail but jail saved my life why because they got detoxed it's so hard to detox off of drugs right and there's a medical wing and yeah we can talk about the need for huge detox centers yes that don't have to be inside right. the county jails some so. of us need to be locked down and not be able to get that's the point problem, taken is we can get to one day two day but that devil inside of you yeah. is telling you that day three is the worst you yep. go every time on day three it's the okay. worst and not being locked down in the jail and can't go it literally is like the best thing it's horrible mm -hmm. don't get me wrong but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. because when you get through it there's a light and you you're thinking clearly yeah. and you're still locked up and you're going this is not who i am right this is not what i want to be and enter in something like drug court yes. right Okay. So I, I Take got it in from there. there. So I went into jail, did 45 days, and then I got to go into an amazing program that my thing was is I never had structure. We we never, none of us yeah. had structure. We do whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. So I, that was the one thing that I've always been missing. Can get a job, can get a place to live, but the structure I didn't have it. And you're talking about you're talking about empower to change, yes, right? Empower okay. to change. I, I went into sure. empower to change. Yeah. And um it's so funny because like we'll, we'll get there. Um so I get into this <laughs> program and I got there October twenty sixth, twenty nineteen. October thirty first, twenty nineteen. My son's father overdosed twice in one day. Hmm. Behind the wheel, he went to the hospital. They drew his blood. They let him go home. And then he went and overdosed again that night. He didn't pass away. Um, but it was the first time in my life I was like, okay, Michelle, you've got to cut ties. I loved him. Yeah. He was an amazing man. Great father. Um, but I had to figure out who I was. I've never known who Michelle Kramer was. Mm -hmm. Didn't know. So I was like, this is the first time, like, I get to sit down and look at myself, which 
isn't like the best thing to do, Mm -hmm. but we got to do it at some point, Mm -hmm. you know? So I had outpatient classes. I was in this, in the program and, you know, I had to go to meetings four times a week, but honestly, myself, I went almost every single day, sometimes twice, because the thing about me is when I got bored, right, that was my problem. So I got a job full time. I was going to outpatient classes. I was doing NA and it, you know, you had a curfew, I had a there was curfew. structure. You were busy. I was so busy. I was for the first two months, I don't really remember because I was like a wah, 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 walking mm-hmm. like Busy. through the motions. Like I would get home and out like a light, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then, you know, I got to, f- I phased up um, and then I became a house leader assistant. You know, it's nothing special really, but it was, for me, it was getting to help others that were first walking in the door and wanting to run. And did you recognize really what a leader you are? I had no idea. For real. Had no idea. When I got called into the office to move into this role, honestly, I thought I was in trouble for something, which I was like, I don't know what I did. I'm literally all day going through my head. What did I do wrong? I'm going, I'm going to go to jail. I don't know what I did. Mm -hmm. But uh, can I say her name? Yes. Tafoya called me in the office (laughs) and she, I love Tafoya. She's wonderful. She is amazing. She is. She was like, who do you think should be house leader assistant? So I'm like naming the names of the girls that have been there way longer than me. She's like, why didn't you put yourself on the list? I was like, I just went into phase two one day ago and you can't be a house leader assistant till you're in phase two. So I was like, me? No, mm-hmm. I can't. But all the girls will be mad at me because they've been here, you know. But then I was like, you know what? I'll do it. At first, the first month I was kind of feeling like I was kind of still new there. But Mm -hmm. then I was like, you know what? I've been doing this longer than a lot of these girls walking Mm -hmm. in here. While I don't have much of a foundation right now because I'm newly clean too, I was learning, but I knew more than them walking in the door. Would you say that being um, an example or a leader helped you in your sobriety? It did. You know, um, and, and everybody is different, but to, to see people looking up to you and to, um, following your lead. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was nice. Like I, I wasn't a house leader that was, you know, yeah, do this, do that. Or I'm going to give you an essay, do this, do that type stuff. I literally was like, just, if you need anything, come to me. Like, just don't drink, do drugs, call me if you're Mm -hmm. there just, and you need somebody. Um, so I graduated this program, that program, ETC, um, June 10th, 2020, my son's case plan. We closed it out June 20th, 2020. Um, dad got full custody only because, um, I was still in a halfway house, but we were sharing you know, I, I would go over there and do overnights. Right. But I stayed at ETC for an extra three months to save money to get my own place. October 1st, 20, um, 2020, me and my then boyfriend, now fiance, moved into our first apartment. Um, I cried that day. It was the first time that I didn't have probation or a program. And the gas station was right there. I was like, I want to drink, but I don't want to drink. But I do want to drink, but I can't drink. But you had no account. Nobody, no accountability. You, had, you, did, you weren't on probation. Nothing. You were free and clear. Right. And drinking is not illegal. Right. It is for Michelle Kramer. Right. Because drinking eventually puts a needle in my arm. Okay. At the end of the day. I can't do anything. I can't. Yeah. I'm not. I cannot and will not. I mm-hmm. just can't. Um, I went to a meeting that day because I was losing my mind. But then a couple months later, I reached out to you said I need a church you know it was COVID and nobody was having no churches but went to this amazing church and still there got baptized that year um I volunteered for ETC for a while after because again I didn't want to be bored um but uh I got my license after 13 years had my own place still working at the same job still same job um you know an SC there, an advanced which is a super- a uh, shift leader 
Um, but in 2021, my son's father overdosed and died. Yeah. And that was really hard because two days after he passed away, I dropped my son off at his mom's and, uh, because I had to work a double and it was the first time I ever had a motherly instinct, which is crazy. I have five kids, but mm -hmm. it is what it is. It I just is. didn't have one and I knew something was wrong. So I left work and, um, grandma and aunt called DCF and like, I told, because so much was going on, I forgot dad had full custody mm. because I didn't have a place. Now, did he pass away from fentanyl? He passed away from fentanyl, but on his death certificate says COVID because he got COVID in the county jail. He was did 20 days on that overdose that he was behind the wheel. It took so long because of COVID for him to go in. He did 30, got 30 days, did 20 on it and overdosed the night he got out. But his death certificate says, says COVID. COVID. But it was fentanyl. Okay. But, um, so... When I went, they wouldn't answer the door. So as soon as I pulled out, DPI called me. And you were and back again. In these people, because of what my paper says. Okay. This lady was so nasty and mean to me. She was like, You have five kids and you don't have any of them. You overdosed in front of your like literally just nasty, vile just things. Just bring it all back. But yeah. you had not but oh, I, you had not relapsed. I hadn't you relapsed. Were, you I were had doing the same amazing. Job, and I basically said f you mm -hmm. i don't care if i have 50 kids i did the case plan for this one and i hung up on her and then the sister accused me of being on drugs abuse and my house was filthy i have ocd my so house you were in you were at an uphill battle <laughs> yeah, again again and what was your what was your sustaining strength what was your rock through all of this? God. Because God, because you lost the person you loved. I did. And your your son was dealing without his dad. Yep. Which was hard. It still is hard on days when he asked about him. So this this girl, this woman, Michelle, who was in jail and introduced to God first and saying that they're fake. God was your <laughs> rock listen. and is your rock. I, had, I don't want to put words in no, your mouth. No, 100%. I cried when he passed away. When the I went to anger when they took my kid. Thank God their door was locked. <laughs> yeah. They tried to go in. Yeah. But then when that lady said that to me, I was like, you know what? I'm not stupid to their level. I know what I know. I know I'm clean. The truth, right? I know my kid isn't abused. And I know my house is clean. So... I did not let it get to me like the old Michelle would. I literally just said, God, this is yours. And you, I need you just to guide me through this. And the crazy part, the sister who had him, who testified on the stand the day before I got him back, who statue this number, blah, blah, blah. You have every right to terminate her rights. Um, we text and talk all the time. My son goes to her house. That's one because I forgave her because God, God was just, he's so good and he I can't. It's about my son, mm -hmm. whether I like her or not. Not that I dislike her. Like the addict to me disliked her because she didn't like me because I was using. You know, mm -hmm. that's the sick part. Sure, but like. Everybody is like, how are you even talking to her and being friends? Because I don't have a reason to hate nobody. It's mm -hmm. not, I don't want to hate nobody. It's not my heart. Like, God has changed my heart so much. So I'm night and day from the mean, nasty person I used to be to. So what was that it. moment? What was that moment that you realized that you have been forgiven and then because you've been forgiven, it's like, don't you find it easier just to so easy. forgive? So easy. When, when was that for you? February 14th, 2020. Okay. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. We actually got baptized together. 
Really? Um, yeah. And, and my son. And my, and I, like, and my fiance, her, her husband, her son, we all got baptized on the same day. I remember when I came up from that water, they tried to take me in a back room to pray with me, but the Holy Spirit was in me so much. Those people that I was judging in prison, <laughs> I was that person. I was jumping. I couldn't stop jumping That's and so singing good. and just like this, oh, the most beautiful feeling ever. So good. The peace of God is so beautiful and amazing. It is. So good. So you know? good. And it's just, I want to make this long clear. Like, this is the first time, again, that we've all been clean and sober. The one thing that my dad, before he passed away, and he was like, all I want from you girls is to get clean and sober. And, like, we just had Christmas at my house, you know, less than a month ago. And it was, like, the first time you were everybody all in my sober. house. I had some addicts that were three days clean, four days clean, a week clean, you know, her almost a year. Like, so many because there was people that just didn't have anywhere to go. And I was like, come to my house. Clean and sober, no drugs, no drinking. And it was awesome. It was fun. That is it was amazing. So good. It was so good. That is like, so good. You're, you don't have to be what the paper says you are. Black and white, you don't have to be. You can change. If us three mm -hmm. can do it, literally, like, running the streets, prostituting, like, selling drugs, you know, stripping in strip clubs, all of it. We did it all. Mm -hmm. And we... She has two kids, full custody, got my kid full custody. Her kids are older, but her and her husband, <laughs> and I didn't think this, never, this was scary. Yeah. Like this, she went to jail mm -hmm. and I paid for her to go into a halfway house. And you know, her husband was still actively using, like we were scared. Like they're not going to do it together. They can't, but she had faith. They, they both believe in God. And she said, God is going to get us through this. And I didn't believe it at first because awesome. I was weary of the husband, but he's clean and sober. He was at my house too on Christmas, you know, and like she's coming up on a year and we all three work together too, which is so good. another crazy thing. That and we so don't kill good. each other. No, <laughs> we actually laugh and have a great time and but, it's just crazy. And you know, that is the hope that I'm, I, my prayer for this, um, for this session yeah is that um people will hear this they might be in the middle of it they might be going i'm still on probation or i'm still working a case plan or you know maybe they've lost a loved one but they can hear your story yeah. and know that um if they just just stick with it stick with it stay sober, reach out, get help, wow. get through the next day, get through the hour and um, know that, that there's light on the other side. Yeah. Every time I pick up, so in recovery, you get key change, you know, mm -hmm. and when you got multiple years, you get a black one. Okay. You know, multiple years. And every time I pick up a key tag, they always ask you, how, how'd you do it? How you stay clean another year? And the one thing I say to people, it's pick up the phone mm. you have to it weighs a thousand pounds yeah but you have to pick it up so i would like to have you guys back at another time yeah. even you and your husband mm -hmm. and you and just just to kind of um go deeper into yeah, the things that you are saying yeah. with that you are reaching out for help and I could just talk to you guys for hours I'm serious but I want to thank you for your transparency I want to thank you it takes a lot of courage just thank to come on here thank you you guys are amazing I'm inspired oh my goodness at least one person just one person praise God that's right that's right Thank you. Thank you. All right. Until next time, guys. Bullseye Nuclear, Michelle Snyder. We'll see you again.
coming soon at the Central Park Performing Arts Center in Largo, Florida, the first annual Solwyn Women's Conference. Hear 20 plus inspiring speakers that will transform you, shift you into your divine path. Mark your calendars, ladies, June 21st to the 23rd. Three full days of fellowship, worship, encouragement, and supporting local female business owners. When your soul prospers, so will your health, your finances, and your relationships. I need a lot of time trying to figure it out. You're stronger than you think. God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to understand the blessing. It's time to be healed in your soul, know your true worth, and be all you were beautifully and wonderfully made to be. Purchase your tickets now for this life-changing event at www.soulwinconference.com. Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on Soulwin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. Soulwin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now.